he's referred to as the man in the back of the room and introduced as the voice of God. He's told U.S. presidents where to sit, given Tony and Grammy award-winning celebrities direction, and lectured scads of students. But as he likes to point out, the event entertainment expert you don't know, you don't know, Anthony Bellata. And Bellatified. And welcome to another episode, episode 54 of Bolotified, the one and only podcast about event entertainment and engagement. I'm Anthony Bolotta. I'm always Anthony Bolotta, and I'm here every week as I am with the one and only Alex Epostalidis. Hi, Alex. Hello. That made me laugh. Hello. You know what? I just saw this great post and I shared it about basically about being yourself and just kind of had to thank all my friends who are unapologetically, authentically, joyfully themselves because it allows me to be my weird self. Mm-hmm. So for you, when, when when you have those moments of quirky weirdness, thank you. It brings me so much happiness. You're quite welcome. I'm always happy to oblige. <laughs> it was very naturally. You're naturally weird. Weird is good. I hate that weird has this stigma because... There's eh, normal's boring. I like I like quirky. I like weird. I like eccentric. It's so much more fun and real. Yeah, I think I'm a little quirky. I don't know if yeah. I'm weird is a little different than quirky. Well, know? all of it's good. Yeah, I think. I mean, it's all good. It's all good. It just. But yes, I would say you're a little quirky. I'd say I'm probably weird, but I'm okay with that. So say you're weird. Like- I'm weird. Oh, we'd say that to you? No, say it like it's a compliment. You're so weird. See, I don't know if I feel it like a compliment when you say it. I know. Try it again. You're complimenting me. You're so weird. No, it doesn't work for me now. Doesn't? Okay. You're so quirky. Does that work better? (laughs) (laughs) Not when you go, you're so quirky. Mine goes up. You're so quirky. I don't know. I still feel like a a numbnut. You're not a numbnut. If anybody in this world is not a numbnut, it's you. (laughs) Well, thank you for that. But uh, that's because you don't spend all day with me and see how utterly idiotic I can be at times. (laughs) It happens quite well. Come on now. It happens more, for everybody. More frequently than not these days. So it's the end of the times. It, it is, isn't it? Foggy brain. Mm-hmm. Uh, that should be a song. Well, it almost is. You can just, you know, change London town to I know, that's what brain town. It came to mind. Yeah. Okay, so we have a guest today. We do. And... Uh, He's funny, apparently. Yes. <laughs> and uh, we just worked together and it was great fun. So let's bring him on. Why don't you uh, tell us who it is? Well, he is uh, or has been proclaimed by the Chicago Tribune as King of the Hill in the growing world of corporate comedy and by HuffPost as your boss's favorite comedian. 
Um, and he's truly inventive. When the pandemic hit, he created a virtual keynote called You Can't Quarantine Laughter. He's, <laughs> I don't know where he fits this in. He's written a couple of books. He's a nationally syndicated humor colon columnist for the Chicago Tribune and an award-winning greeting card writer and, and creator of Funny Dad, Inc. And he has a web series called A Comedian Crashes Your Pad. I don't know when this man sleeps. But anyway, let's please welcome the man who likes to say, and I quote, I'm here to make you laugh, but at the end of the day, I want to be your biggest cheerleader too. Please welcome Mr. Greg Schwimm. Hello, Greg. Welcome, 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 welcome. How are you, man? I'm good. Was that good. for me? That's for you. It was. Okay. I'm sorry. I, I I thought, you know, I would get some sort of a, hey, it's Greg Schwem with us. But <laughs> oh, we, we already did that. that. We, yeah, but we have we started or not? So we started. <laughs> but you we started without you. Okay. And we, and we did our intros we normally do. And now you're with us. Oh, I see. Um, okay. Yeah, we have a sort of Where was I when you were doing your intros? I think you were in the room. I was in the waiting room. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. This is just a, this is an interesting way to start, but I'm glad I'm here. Thank you. I'm glad you're here too. Well, you're here, but not really here, but you're no. here. Yeah. But we, we here, are starting, we, and you know what? We are starting to be here again, which is great. Isn't it great? Have you been busy since we worked together? Greg and I worked together in, in Maui uh, in the beginning of uh, October. It feels like a year ago already. It was just a month <laughs> Right. It was about a month ago today. Yeah. Yeah. And I have been very busy since I've been to, uh, uh, where have I been? I've been to Boise, Idaho. I just got back from Austin. I was in, uh, um, oh, there's one I'm missing. I don't know. Since we worked together, there's at least one more place. Uh, Tennessee. I was in Indianapolis. I was in Fort Myers, Florida. There, I missed wow. three. Wow. Yeah. So tell us, what is the um, the bulk of work you're getting now? Would you mind sharing that with us? Is it is it corporate? Is it association? Is it is it regional? Well, it's still very. It's still definitely corporate, and I would say it is still. I, I I like to think that the groups that I'm working for are very similar to the ones that I worked for pre-COVID, meaning not just the size of the events, but the types and, and the fact that they are on site. I, I can't really pigeonhole other than corporate, Anthony, I can't say, well, it's this industry or that industry, or that's what they're asking me right. to do. Most okay. of them have been asking me to keynote. And the reason that they've been doing that is they said, we're just so ready to laugh. So right. that's, uh, that's it. Nice. I would say that's probably about, I've had one, maybe two MC dates since we worked together, but for the most part, it's all keynoted. And that's what you did for us in right. Maui. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You, were, you were brought on as a keynote and you tailored your your presentation to the group. Yeah. And you made it humorous and and the 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 crux of it is basically laughter is good and we can all use a little bit now and yeah, I mean, I feel like I feel like laughter is good has been a premise for a long time. I, I feel like I have basically taken the pandemic, kind of combined what we didn't get in the pandemic versus what was going on before, which is the whole I'm not sure if it's appropriate to laugh. Now you come you you merge those or I would say it's not even a merge. It's more of a clash. And uh 
during the pandemic, I, I wrote, I figured I might as well try and address those two issues together. And that's why my new keynote, which the, you're, you saw components of in that Maui presentation, they more wanted just, uh, uh, hey, we're all done with the event. Let's just send them out laughing type of thing. But a lot of companies now, now that they're getting back to live events and they're looking for new topics and so forth, I think it's a real issue of um, we need to retain employees. We need to keep the, you know, we need to hire the best employees. We need to retain the best employees. How do we do that? Well, you do it by, by saying this is a fun company to work for. But then you have to go back and say, but what's the definition of fun? And that's really what my presentation now is about. And it's been getting really good, uh, not only feedback, but intrigue. And that's what I like about it. Do you include any, um, any ideas of how to have fun? Or is it basically, uh, I shouldn't say basically, but are you, are you uh, challenging them? to? Yes, I'm challenging. What I'm challenging, that's a good word, because I, that's, I, I think that might be the first time I've used that word in a, or a form thereof in um, advertising the presentation. I'm saying I'm here to challenge you a little bit and challenge what you think about humor. Um, and yeah, I do. I, I basically tell them that you, that if you're going to just immediately swipe left on any kind of an idea that somebody has where somebody else one per even if one person says I'm offended, I'm this, I'm that, I don't think it's appropriate. And if you're if you're willing to do that knee jerk reaction, um, you're really doing a disservice mm -hmm. to your organization and the employees in it. And maybe you should just take a step and talk through it a little bit, and maybe you might come to a consensus. I think people are too much uh, inclined in humor now to just say, "Oh, we can't possibly do that." You probably can't, but you might have to think about it a little bit. So how do you approach the, because we live in a PC world. I myself yeah. am very, very PC. <laughs> I, I am. I mean, just only more so out of respect, but okay. I also want to laugh. I want to laugh at myself. I want to laugh right. at others. I want us to laugh together. I'm not easily offended in that way at all. Mm -hmm. How do you approach still maintaining that level of PC without it being like you're walking on eggshells with every joke you make or every topic you choose? Well, I think I've walking on eggshells is something I think that when you work in my space, uh, that being corporate, that you're kind of always doing. I mean, so I don't feel like just with this new presentation and this new way of trying of communicating to the audience about humor, I don't I don't think it's just now that I've started walking on eggshells. <laughs> I guess I I guess I just every joke that I write, I always think I always try to picture. Is there something in it that might go the other way or be construed the other way? Because if there is, I can probably, as opposed to saying, I'm not going to do that. I could probably structure it in a different way. There's like a workaround for it. Yeah. And, and I think a lot of that is, is kind of just the way I've always based it. Anthony, you've seen this now. I kind of, uh, when I do these keynotes, yeah, there's a message in it, but I always kind of want to give the persona that I'm sort of the, not the dumb guy, but the intrigued guy. I'm the guy that I don't get what you do, but I want to know about what you do. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to write material about that. And then I'm always sort of the brunt of the joke. And it's, <laughs> I'm just giving away my secrets. I think we're done here. <laughs> Actually, what you said um, is exactly the way to handle 
hard situations with people as well. Yeah. You go yeah. in being the curious one and right. trying to empathize a bit. And that is exactly your approach to it when you come in, uh, which is which already helps because yeah. you don't you don't come in uh, with an attitude or with the feeling that you're, you know, you're higher. Uh, right. Well, I, I've always said that. I mean, I've watched other comedians sometimes work uh, you know, I mean, we, we both know that there's a very sort of a finite group of people that work corporate gigs, do what I do. That's it's a kind of a small uh, uh, gene pool there. But I think one of the things that happens to some, and this is not just comedians at corporate events, I think this is speakers in general. The minute you start making, the minute you start belittling, even if it's not intentional, the minute you start mocking or talking down to a corporate audience, it's over and you will never, ever get them back. And I think that a lot of uh, comedians, when they work corporate events, they fall for that. They're, they kind of go in and they do sort of the nasty stuff and uh, it, it doesn't become funny anymore. And, and, you know, I think what a lot of people don't, re don't realize is that people that work do in my space, again, um, this, your audience is, this is what they do for a living. It's their life's work. It might not be the most exciting thing. It might not be something you understand, but it's what they do every day. So why would you talk down to it? And they might, if to them, it could be exciting. Yeah, of course it is. Right? Yeah. I mean, they wouldn't be there. Hopefully. They weren't at least mildly interested in whatever Hopefully. it is. So yeah, so my, my whole take is, so if you're interested in it, then it's got to be interesting. So I'm interested in it. So question. Mm -hmm. What about being a corporate comedian, which I think is kind of funny in itself. It is. Um, what, <laughs> what about being a corporate comedian? It's like the, the court jester, if you will, that um, is easier than being a circuit comedian or uh, you know, a comedian that-, that Like a club a, comedian? A club comedian. Yeah. What about it is harder and what about it may be easier? Okay, well, like I'll start. Questions. I'll start with the easier. The easier is no alcohol involved, uh, or very rare. Well, That's not, not always the case. I'm not saying, but I think alcohol in um, in limited amounts, in moderation, in moderation is a good word. You know, you're not. Oh, I've no. never seen anybody at a corporate event surrounded by their peers, right? <laughs> and their customers are like, sure. "I am here to get plowed tonight," and, and their boss. Then we're gonna mess with whoever's on stage at that particular time. You don't get those people. So, um, you know, now part of the reason you don't get those people is some girls performing at nine in the morning and 12.30 in the afternoon, right. but I'm okay with that. I think the, the biggest challenge for what I do is uh, I am, my audience for the most part are people who are still at work. And that's uh, very difficult to, you have to break them out of that, that, you know, people come to a club, a comedy club, they come at night, they are there to laugh. They made that decision. Tonight, we're going to go out and we're going to see some comedians because I'd really want to laugh. That's what they went in. So that's what they come in expecting. But I think in corporate, a lot of times they don't expect that this is, this is something new. Maybe they've never seen something like that. And why is this guy making us laugh at two in the afternoon? Mm -hmm. And um, uh, so I have to kind of win them over and, and get them off their phones. Um, I think I, I fight that more. Uh, people just on their devices because they are, again, are still at work. Mm -hmm. So um, do you feel you have to give them permission to laugh? 
you said it earlier, you know, people don't really know if it's appropriate. Yeah, I think sometimes I, I feel like, yes, in, in a way I do. And, so, and, and sometimes I think these audiences go in like, I've almost seen people every now and then, like they, they almost, they're looking at somebody before they laugh. Like, I was going to ask you that if they're looking for permission okay, my from immediate other boss. So does my immediate boss think it's funny? Now, if you do the math, eventually everybody's looking at the CEO. <laughs> you know, I mean, that, that's, you always be seen at town center. So it feels right. like a <laughs> who's, who's not there. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, who had to leave early. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. <laughs> but we're not going to discuss that show. Uh, anyway, but yeah, I, I do think, and I, but I think sometimes if you just come out and uh, very early on, let them know that you did some homework, you did some research and you refer to them very early on, then that automatically breaks down and you're like, oh, okay, this, they, you know, there's no way that they would hire this guy to talk about us unless everybody thought, unless they thought it was okay. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's really, that's kind of the, um, the, the vibe I get from a really good audience. They're like, oh, okay, how cool of a company is this that they hired that guy? So how hard is it to customize the comedy and make it about the audience that you're with? Is it's, that- yeah, it's, it's challenging. I'm, I think the biggest challenge is, oh boy. That's, I, 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 anything funny about it? <laughs> yeah, there are some, but, but surprisingly, I find the more technical uh, groups that I work for, like the IT people and the, the security, the cyber security, that kind of stuff. I find that easier just because what they do sounds funny. It's so technical that it just sounds funny. And if you spit it back at them in a different way, they like, yes, it is funny. And I think they very easily laugh at it. Um, and they use terms like, I'll give you a good example. Um, I did, uh, it was a virtual show about a month ago for a cybersecurity company. And I was, I always like to look at on company websites, the sort of the about us and then there's a link that says something like we have fun or okay i want to get to the part where the what's the definition of fun in this organization it's very different it might be you know we you know we bring our puppies to get washed once a week and so forth but tech companies their definition of fun is is very much uh, different than somebody else but they actually said that like every other friday they have this is the word hackathons all right. So no. that's the way. I'm kidding. That's the way. Thank you, Alex. That's, you're appalled at and maybe it's the age thing. I don't know. I was I was feeling for you because you're in front of people. Well, yeah, but I was no wonder gonna go into a spontaneous hackathon. You don't want to well, be that there. was the joke. I'm like, I I, I don't want to do it's like if I suck today, <laughs> are you guys gonna get into my credit card? Yeah, I know, really. <laughs> that, well, we know what next Friday's activity is. <laughs> so, you better if they're sorry. a cybersecurity company, you better go right. but I will pay you to protect me, not hack me. I don't know why I, 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 dear audience, I normally don't laugh this hard at my own stuff. I don't know why, just the way that story oh came. Oh my God. It was kind of like, <laughs> and then to see your expression, the, the different expressions on your faces, I think is what I lost. <laughs> so you worked for some big names too. You worked have. for McDonald's and Microsoft and mm-hmm. General Motors and IBM yeah. and CIA. 
apparently. Yes. You know, why are you saying that softly? I know. I want to, I want to hear about that. Hear about you may not be able to talk about it. No, that's a true story. And that's, uh, um, um, yeah, they, they have, I, I got an email out of the blue that said the CIA would, was interested in having me speak. And, and, and Anthony, you've heard this joke in my show about how close I was to sending that to my trash folder because it just resembles spam, something like that, you know, <laughs> oh, the CIA wants me to visit. This is legit. Right. So, but it was legit. And um, the, the bet and they do, they just, they have this event once a year. It's like a workshop thing where they just want to get people. They told me it was, they have several different divisions of the CIA. I was working for their IT division and God only knows what they know, but anyway, so not, you know, it wasn't like, oh, we're getting all of our top agents. We're calling them back from Russia and, and they're, <laughs> you're going to speak to them, you know? So, so it was just like their computers group. And they said, we just want to get them away from their computer once in a while. So we do this a couple of times a year and we try to bring in different speakers. We'll bring in sports celebrities and that kind of thing. And, and, and we, but we've never had, we've never had somebody like you. And uh, here's the best part of that show. And this is really weird that you think this, but in the CIA building, you cannot use a cell phone. You have to, which you'd think would be the last place where you would have employees who wouldn't have phones, but they have to check their phones. And um, <laughs> so what was great about it was I had their undivided attention. I mean, it goes back to what I was talking about when you asked what's the hardest part about doing uh, corporate shows. And I said, it was having to deal with technology. So this was one of the first groups I've ever, the only group probably I've ever worked for where I did not see any phones. And it was just such a delight. Yeah. And to so get were, they, were they intimidating? Were they easy no. to gain yeah, or? They were very easy. I mean, I think they were curious at first because again, never really had somebody like me. And I like that. I like that challenge. Um, but they were incredibly, uh, the only thing that they told me ahead of time, they said, they basically said no po political jokes, but the way they phrased it, they said, it doesn't matter who the president is. We work for the United States of America. Okay. So we don't have sides. So don't think, but they, they're like, and I, I've never been, I've never let politics enter my shows anyway. I don't just don't believe in it. So uh, that was, that was the only, but they said anything else is pretty much fair game. <laughs> so uh, that's what it was. Were they dressed in suits? Most of them. Yeah, they were very, uh, uh, actually, now that I think about it, kind of ran the gamut. Um, a little of everything. I would say, I would say more nicely dressed than your typical corporate audience late in the week. I think this was on a Thursday. One more question about that audience. Divert? Mm -hmm. Excuse me? Were they diverse? Very much so. Yeah. Oh, that's lovely. Certainly, certainly age. Yeah, certainly mm -hmm. age wise. And I think, yeah, I would say, I would say 50 50 men, women. Oh, that's what I was going to ask. Was there a good uh, um, representation of, you know, girl power, woohoo? Yes, there was girl power, woohoo. <laughs> girl power, woohoo, CIA. <laughs> that, that's the new tagline <laughs> for the CIA. Yeah. <laughs> was it racially diverse? <laughs> Uh, I, you know, I can't, I can't really remember about two and a half years ago. I did this. Shoot. That's what I wanted to know, but sorry. Nonetheless, we got, we almost got there. We got so close. <laughs> I was doing my Intel on the CIA and I just wanted to know a little something. Uh, I thought, yeah. But we got girl power. So we're good. Yeah. Anthony. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You, you got that part out there. <laughs> you did get that. So you've also been on serious radio. Yeah. 
Yes, I have. I'm on the uh, Laugh USA, which is if anybody listens to Sirius, the they know that's the clean comedy channel. Mm-hmm. So um, I've, I've been doing bits on there for, oh, geez, probably about eight, nine years or so. And mm-hmm. uh, they've been very good to me. Good. So let me ask you then, you just brought it up, clean comedy. Yeah. What's your take on expletives in comedy? Um, I'm not going to say I'm against them because some of my favorite comedians have swear up and I would not ever tell them to do their show the other way that whether that's Chris Rock um I watched an old Richard Pryor you know the the other about a couple of weeks ago live on the Sunset Strip and the same sort of thing and then it, and Bill Burr is is uh, one of my favorites and you know he so I, I would I don't believe it I I guess I just caution I the only thing I say about it is I, I caution comedians starting out to tr- say not resort to humor because once you do you'll never go back and if you can and I always and and you know seriously I got that lesson because when I was 16 and I started doing this for the first time I did swear out of nervousness uh and I also fell for the old if I say it this way if I say it you know the joke is do to do to do to bump or do to do to do to f and boom you know that second one's going to get the bigger laugh and I fell for that and probably about the fourth or fifth time that I was up at a comedy club, which I thought was really cool because I was 16. Somebody came up to me after the show and said, you got some funny stuff, but you lost me every time you swear. Because he said, you just don't, you're, he goes, how old are you? Yeah. <laughs> I, I said, I'm 16. He goes, that's it. He goes, it doesn't go with the mouth. Your look <laughs> doesn't go with it. And he goes, I don't, he says, you're, you're not believable at that point. And, um, you know, he, he was, he was just being real. I just love the fact that he was just really honest about it and sought me out. And, and I, it was maybe the best lesson, one of the best lessons I think I've ever gotten. And I just, Mm -hmm. since then, that's just the way I've operated. It's it's a blessing definitely because you could have, um, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. continue to sort of resort to that and, uh, you don't need it. I mean, no, I don't think it's punctuated joke and it is funny. And there are, there are funny jokes about expletives as well, but right. you know, for the, that's my take on it. So you had, you mentioned it clean comedy. I feel like I, I feel like I go on and drone, drone, drone about clean comedy and yeah. you know, how, but so I wanted to hear your take, but I don't want to use this opportunity to drone on and drone on and drone on about what I think. So we'll move on Okay. to the exceptional people magazine, which just caught my eye. Oh, okay. So I didn't look at Exceptional People magazine because I didn't feel exceptional enough to <laughs> I, I don't know how I ended up in it <laughs> or what it even was, but I, it's a cool title, isn't it? It's yeah. great. So yes. it, is, it is a magazine filled with exceptional people. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of which is you. Right. I did not get the cover. I don't know who she is, but I, I got... <laughs> I got the inside and uh, uh, they did a very nice article and it was, it was great. Do you have to work yourself up from the back of the magazine to the cover or? <laughs> like, like there's some very average, <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I'm an average people magazine, but I think. You totally worked your way out. Next year. Yeah. I'm still, I'm still I, still you know what? I, I never, I, Alex, I never asked during the interview <laughs> how I managed to just vault to the top. See? But you know, there's, you do know there's got to be a magazine above exceptional people. There always is. It's like, it's like premier status at a hotel, right? Truly right. really amazingly always, exceptional. Somebody's yeah. always ahead of you. Well, there's, 
first of all, there's very exceptional people <laughs> and then very, very exceptional people uh, right off the bat. I'm not even close. Right. So there's two more hurdles. Mm -hmm. Well, no, there's three because then there's God status. That's, God status that, oh, that's a long way off. Yeah. <laughs> that's a pretty select group. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, greeting cards, huh? You, oh, you, can you, I go back real quick as yeah. far as the different levels? Okay, so this is a this is a corporate date that I did. Uh, it was at the MGM. There was like there's a big. They probably changed a million times since then. But some of the one of these companies rented out one of the nightclubs at MGM. And you've been to MGM, I'm sure, hundreds of times to do shows, Anthony. And uh, so there was this nightclub. It was there. You know, every Vegas hotel has the you know the cool hipster nightclub. And you went in. And it was set up in like different rooms and, and like the rooms got progressively smaller. And I got the impression that like on a Saturday night, you, you had to, <laughs> the room. to go certain levels of cool to get to these different rooms until finally, you know, there's, you know, there's just like one room and, you know, Jack Nicholson's there all by himself right. or something yeah, right. <laughs> and has been there for years and, right. you know, that kind of thing. So yeah, that's like 20 to 10 to five to two. And then there's one right. <laughs> and you never see that guy. And you know, they have the space for all that too. Oh, totally. Yeah, it's exactly. Crazy. So I don't, so I think I just went and sat in all of them just because there was nobody else in the club because, you know, anyway, you wanted not, to, okay. Not, not to take us off track, but I just came back. Greeting from, cards. <laughs> oh no, go ahead. I just came back from Vegas and uh, every hotel seems to have an arena now. An yes. Yeah. How many arenas are in Las Vegas? <laughs> right. At least half a dozen. Yes, they are they are arena happy. Are they, they all <laughs> yeah, yeah. What arena happy? Oh no, why? It's Friday. It's boy, it's whatever day it is. I didn't maybe laugh. laugh. It did for some reason. I don't you, you cut out after that, so I wasn't sure, but it's arena happy. Yes. They are arena happy. They are, they have a lot of arenas, but nonetheless. Greeting cards. <laughs> that was a good segue. <laughs> There's a greeting card in Arena Happy, I'm just saying. There's something there. An arena-shaped greeting card. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, probably. All right. Yes, so you, what about them? You've won awards for your writing. I have. I won the prestigious Louis Award. And you know what? Somebody, I met somebody at, at a show who uh, just, just two days ago, I was in Austin, Texas uh, for a show. And somebody told me they worked in the greeting card industry. And I said, yeah, you know, I wrote some, some greeting cards. I said, I actually won a, uh, won a, uh, and I couldn't remember the name of the award that I'd won. And he goes, Louis award. <laughs> like, yeah, you're, you would be the only, that's how I knew he was, he was a legitimate greeting card writer. Oh, nobody else would know that reference. So what's your style of greeting card? Well, what interesting was there's a company called compendium cards and they decided to ask about a dozen comedians to write greeting cards. And I happened to be one of the first dozen that they asked. And they basically said, just wing it. You know, if you want to use jokes from your act, if you want to come up with something else. Um, and it didn't matter if it was a birthday card or a get well card or whatever, just they gave us free reign. So I submitted about a dozen and about six of them were chosen. And then one of them won the prestigious Louis award. <laughs> Can you tell cool. us what Louis liked? Oh, it was a, you know, I, I thought I had better ones. The one that won, um, oh, the one that I thought was going to win, this was my favorite. 
and it was a birthday card and on the front it said something like so like i heard it was your birthday and like uh i like you're another like you're older and i like i was so sure that it wasn't your birthday like and, and then you open it up and it says birthday greetings from teenage girls everywhere all right so that's when i thought that would win. <laughs> i still like that one but that's the one good. that won was you i said i i I, like I followed you on Facebook. I connected with you on LinkedIn. I uh, did. So I liked you on something or other. And then you open it up and it said something like this. This card seems very unnecessary. <laughs> that was that was the one that won. <laughs> I don't know their senses of humor. Because it was a dig on the card industry. And they. Yeah, you know what? You know what? That might be it. I, you know, I never thought about it that way. They were laughing at themselves. That's a good thing. They were laughing at themselves. Gosh, Anthony, you might have just opened up a whole new topic for, for my presentation. There you go. I never, made that, I never made that connection. Yeah, I think maybe, yeah. We did, <laughs> we did something, uh, a theatrical performance I, I produced and, and wrote for the special event years ago. Mm. And we took the song from Avenue Q called It Sucks to Be Me. And I rewrote <laughs> it for the... For the, for the event industry because it fit uh -huh. because that's all people in the event industry do <laughs> complain yeah. about the events they have oh, and this and that and then they did this and they gave me this last minute so it fit and it and it went over like hotcakes because they got that's like now you should do uh have you ever seen the book of mormon oh yes okay so how about doing a, another one to the the song uh it's me and you but mostly me <laughs> remember that one <laughs> I think I think that would be I would be more than happy to help you write that for that the is a funny one. That is a funny, funny one. <laughs> me, you, but mostly me. But mostly me. Mostly yeah. me. Great song. Yeah. <laughs> so you you like do you like musicals? I do. You know, it's funny. I was just talking with good a man. What's that? You're a good man. Oh, for liking musicals? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I uh um I have my favorites. I, I'm gonna give you my top three and Great. Ham hamilton is not in the top three okay um, well you know there's a long list of i music know but i would here would be my top three musicals one would be a book of mormon that'd be number one i should have done this in reverse but i will go one book of mormon two i will go with dear evan hansen oh. which affected wow. me like nothing ever i mean i was in new york i'm going to new york tomorrow by the way for a few days and but i was in new york and i had had a meeting with a um somebody similar to what you do, you do at Bellata. And I had gotten a show, a, I'd got a ticket to the matinee at Hot Ticks. And so I was kind of rushing through the meeting and I told him I was going. And he goes, uh, he goes, oh man, he says, you, he says, I saw it. He goes, you will cry multiple times. That's a guy talking to a guy. That's awesome. Yeah. And I went and he was right. And um, yeah. So anyway, so I was just told by my friend that I have to learn the mother song. Oh, that, really? I have to learn oh, it. And I have to one. perform it. Huh? Oh, just you have to. Uh, uh, oh, the, the one about where he's like, I hope you're happy or not. Not I hope you're happy. That's from Wicked. <laughs> but uh, that which which is not one of my top five. Um, anyway. Uh, anyway. What were we talking about? I don't because so I've not two, seen it. Number three, Rent. 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 I would put Rent at number three. Yeah, I'm, that's interesting. Yeah, mm -hmm. how about you guys? You're obviously into musicals. What What about you, Anthony? Oh well, for me, my top favorite of all time, nothing will ever beat it, is Chorus Line. Okay. Um. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, I second is right up there is Lakaj. And and that's huh? bad. I never saw Lakaj. Never saw it. Sorry. I, I haven't seen Dear Evan Hansen or okay. Book of Mormon. I have seen Rent, um, which I loved right up until the end when she would not actually die. And I was this close to standing up and say, for the love of God, die and stay dead. Oh, wow. Man. Um, a different I'm, <laughs> that play ended differently for me, but okay. <laughs> All right, what's number three? Um, what is number three? Next, I, I Hamilton is going to be up there, but I don't think it's quite number three. Um, I am going to kind of have to think about number three because there's a lot of ties. Yeah. I got my two favorites. Chorus line: Nothing will, nothing will ever top it. Mm. I can sing every lyric from every song. Nice. And I saw it when I was 16 and it still brings me, it reduces me. Oh, wow. Man, yeah. that's a big word that reduces me. How about you, Anthony? Okay, think about number three and then- I'll think about three. All right, Anthony. So, about... so as the interviewee, yeah. I will say- <laughs> I'm sorry, I've taken <laughs> over the show now. I love, I? I love it, just kidding you, I was teasing. Uh, <laughs> hard for me to pick three because I love musical theater, but I, I have to agree with Alex that Chorus line would be among my top three. Okay. Uh, as would um, not so much Hamilton because I haven't seen it, but in the Heights because mm. it was enormously, it's pretty much the same concept and it was just beautifully staged and, and performed and still sticks with me. Okay. And, uh, you know, long time of musical theater, there has to be at least one Sondheim in there. And I can't find one in my mind except for Sweeney Todd. Okay. Which you have to love because I did. So that has to be your favorite. I'll say that's my third. That's okay. Sweeney Todd? Sweeney Todd. Wow. <laughs> Never saw that one either. Sweeney Todd. Never saw Sweeney. I'm so okay. I thought we weren't judging here. <laughs> no, we're not. I'm just, okay. that was more of a, you got to see it. Judge. No judgment. You know, it's not one of those shows that people do often because it's really very dark, as you know. Uh -huh. They did make a movie of it, but the movie does not compare to the show. Yeah. The show is like 1979. It was a long yeah. time ago. Angela Lansbury, right? Yes, and Lynn Carew. And a very young Victor Garber. Oh, yes. okay. Wow. And I actually know who Victor Garber is. Yeah, he was a, he played Antony in that show and a beautiful tenor voice. Beautiful. The score is haunting. It is. And it's and difficult to sing. Very difficult to oh, sing. Sometimes difficult to sing. Yeah. Yeah. But there's right. such there's such great lyrics in in the Sondheim uh, you know, rettos. They're the, the lyrics. Sometimes they go on and on and on. Yeah, you know, and they repeat a lot, like in "Merrily," not "Merrily We Roll Along," but um, "Into the Woods." Yes, um, yeah, that didn't do anything for me. You All know, right. oh, I was going to say I, that. I that's right the up there too. I took over the interview, so okay. no. Next question. No, so we love that you love musical theater, though, because that's too. You know, that's just very dear to our hearts. We Good. travel in that world. But what's funny is that you lived in West Palm Beach too, because ooh, why? <laughs> because why? <laughs> <laughs> that is where now come on how many times do you do shows down there so i used to do a yearly show for philip morris believe it or not at the beginning of my california career back in, in palm beach okay but the last time i was there i had a cousin who lived there who's since passed who invited us to dinner 
and this was probably five years ago. Mm. My parents still live in North Miami Beach, so I'm okay. familiar with South Florida. I, I'm from South Florida. So when I saw that you uh, you were a reporter for NBC-owned WPTV in West Palm Beach, mm -hmm. I was like, no way. No way, the way, yes. That's, uh, that's what I did before I jumped into the world of comedy. So I, I always thought I would be a journalist. You know, I went to school to be a journalist and that's what I thought my career would be. And that I would just do this for fun. Even though, as I said, I started when I was 16. It was always a hobby. It was a hobby in college. And it was a hobby when I moved to West Palm because I didn't know anybody. So I would go, you know, when you go to comedy clubs and you do sets, then you don't have to, it's okay to come by yourself. <laughs> you know, right. you don't have to be the, the guy with no friends who just hang, you know, it's like, um, I'm on the bill tonight. So I, I can't okay. be, I can't be surrounded by right. people. Yeah. Yeah. You it. know, I, yeah, it's I'm okay, okay that I'm alone. Exactly. I, there's a re I could have brought a ton of people, but I need to focus. So right. that was me for about the first year. So I would do sets at comedy clubs. And that actually became my group of friends was other comics just as completely as, as losers as me. <laughs> so, but that's where I started doing stand up, And um, that's where I ended up quitting my job in journalism to pursue stand-up full-time. I was still living in, in West Palm, but as soon as I quit my job and decided to do it full-time, I, I knew I had to, I, no offense to South Florida, but I knew I had to get out of there. Offense taken. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, if I may, I'm yes. gonna start using that. I, I'm alone because I need to focus. I'm gonna carry that with me, especially when I'm on a date. <laughs> I think that's, I think that's a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's one thing to be an introvert it's another thing <laughs> why yeah, you want to be an introvert so. well and it's okay to want to be alone and think in fact it's very healthy i agree i agree we don't I've do enjoyed it. my time uh well since since i've gotten back on the road i've enjoyed my time alone on the road yeah and because I, you're alone on the road exactly exactly that's that's something that i haven't done for um 20 months or for a while you know since eight march of 2020 you know when everything when when tom hanks tested positive that's when it started and you know it, it escalated from there so um i you know when we worked in hawaii i mean i enjoyed every moment that i spent talking to anybody and i spent every moment that i wasn't talking to anybody i enjoyed that too yeah. Did that come across? When yeah, it came across really well. I like the way that you put that too. Uh -huh. I hope that you continue. Well, you'll always have alone time because you'll fly yes. and you'll, you know, have to Well, and yeah, you you work by yourself and you mm -hmm. work at a certain time of the day. And then the rest right. of the day, you, you are, you, it's what you make of it. Right. It's what you make of it. And, uh, and you have to be comfortable with yourself when you're a comedian to begin with, right? I mean, you're- Very much so. Yeah, I think so. So you spend a lot of time with yourself. That's okay. Do you make yourself laugh? Well, I did about 15 minutes ago in this podcast. And I apologized for it. <laughs> so I, I surprised myself. Well, you just but, don't want to be laughing alone. Yeah, maybe that's it. I don't know. I, I feel like if, if I'm going to try something on stage, it probably amused me enough to, for me to be confident enough saying I should I should take, I think it's funny and therefore I should see if other people think it's funny. So uh, that's, 
the only way to know. I guess, in, I guess in a sense, yes. I guess everything that ends up on stage, I did at one point make myself laugh with it. Well, it has to resonate with you in some way, right? Otherwise. Absolutely. Yeah, otherwise you can't tell it in a believable yeah. way. It can't and be authentic. I, I tried this thing, you know, I haven't done it yet, but I, it, again, being out and seeing other people and seeing how they react has been so refreshing as far as, I, I saw this in the airport the other day. Um, and it was, and, and everybody has probably seen this, the, 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 the panicked parent, panicked mom running through the airport and like stopping at every gate and kind of looking under chairs and, and saying something, you know, sobbing and saying something like, you know, I just turned my back for a minute. And I, I, I saw that and, and the only thing I could think of is, man, I know it sucks to lose your phone. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I, I haven't tried that on stage yet. But the fact that I, I could have never thought of something like that in quarantine, you know, you don't see things like that. And that's why I'm so excited to be back out there. That's perfect. Good. <laughs> you know, so. And I'm a mom and I did not get offended at that. I'm letting you know. And you know, then I thought to myself, do you go further with that? Do you think it's like, you know, I, I have lost, I'm a dad. I've lost my kid and I've lost my phone and they're really not that far apart. (laughs) The one thing that will never happen, you'll lose your phone when you're talking on it, but you'll never lose your child when you're talking to him or her. That is true. There is a surefire way though. What's the surefire way? To never lose a kid? Mm. Don't have it. Don't have them. Don't have them. I read that online. Thank you. Uh, (laughs) I'll be right back. Um, So when you tell people that you're a corporate comedian, let's get back to that. Yeah. What does the the face look like? What do you, what what is the uh, response that people do most? Yeah, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of this, it's kind of, I mean, when you tell people you're, it's funny because when you tell people you're just, I'm a comedian, they tend to not believe you. They tend to be like, like that's a joke, you know. Oh, oh. <laughs> no, you really. Seriously, are. what do you seriously? What do you do? You know, I've gotten that more than anything. Not as much as I used to, but maybe there's so many more comedians now. But corporate comedian is a is a. After Trump, anything goes. Yeah, Go corporate comedian is kind of. Um, they're curious all of a sudden. You know, you said comedian, and then you sort of threw a twist on it. And then, but, but most of them, usually most people will say, oh yeah, I, I was at this event and they brought in a guy, you know, or something like that. They, there's, there's sort of a recollection there. So it's not as difficult to, um, uh, to explain as maybe it used to be. So, and, and it's, and it's, it's a great conversation starter. That's for sure. So does anybody ever say like, oh yeah, 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 I know what you're talking about. They brought in this guy when I went to the sales meeting. He wasn't funny at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh yeah, oh, yeah, oh totally, yeah. Uh, yeah. Can I, okay, can I can I tell you a really embarrassing story, but which Please. you're probably going to uh, know that. Okay, this is I'll, I'll do the preface. So years ago, I had a, a manager who wanted me to do a Bill Gates impression because I was doing a lot of jokes about technology. And he wanted me to do it with prosthetic makeup on to try and get me to look like Bill Gates. So I did it. Uh, Randy Nolan, uh, Steve Bridges. Okay. Bikes manager. So Randy represented Steve who used to do George Bush in prosthetic makeup. So 
I was one of the, one of Randy's clients and he said, why don't you try Bill Gates? So we did the makeup. It looked horrible. They wrote material for me. I'd never used writers. I had a team of writers, write. That was bad, but I, he was, I went out there and like, this isn't going to work, but we tried it anyway. Anyway. So it was an event, you know, the, the guys that wrote Freakonomics, the book Freakonomics, Stephen Levitt and Stephen Dubner and Stephen Dubner's on the speaking circuit. And he was the speaker after I did this Bill Gates thing which did not go well. So about a year and a half later, I'm working with Dubner again. I'm emceeing an event in New Orleans. And he asked that same question that you just asked about what's it like to be a corporate comedian. And then he said something like that must be really hard. And I started to tell him about, oh, you know, we, you know, we have our challenges and so forth. Then he jumps and he goes, I got to tell you the worst comedian I've ever seen. He goes, this guy did this Bill Gates impression. And, and he goes, oh my God. And, and he's going, and, and I'm like, okay, I'm thinking, do I step in now and just say that was me and end this? Or do I just let him go? And I chose to let him go. <laughs> I chose to just, he was already so wound up that, and he kept going. He's just like, oh, the word horrible. Who is this guy? You know, and, and this, and, I'm, and, and I left. I just, I, I, I did, I never admitted it during that conversation. And then about a week later, I emailed him and I told him I was who he was talking about. But I said, everything you said was totally true. Because <laughs> I said it was the worst unfunny thing. And I knew it wasn't going to work. And it didn't. And um, basically saying like, we're still friends, you know, and, and, and he wrote back and he was very apologetic, but he didn't need to be. He, he didn't need to be. The, he, he told the truth. It was awful. I'll, and I'll be the first one to admit it. And you knew it going in. I knew it going in. I just knew it wasn't me. It wasn't my voice. And, you know, the other thing is it was done too late. Like if we had come up with that idea, maybe in 1995, Windows 95, when Bill Gates was, you know, him and he was Gosh. above Steve Jobs. He was the guy who was going to take over the world. But when we decided to do it, he had stepped down as president of Microsoft and he was more Bill Gates giving away my money to various philanthropy projects. You can't make fun of that. No. No. He, he was out of the public eye. He'd been out of the public eye, that rock star thing for yeah. too long. And he also was very difficult to, to impersonate. He doesn't have any quirks. He doesn't have, an, he doesn't have a very um, impressionable final. voice. Yeah. So... It was all wrong. He's also, um, I mean, unless you're talking to a group that <clears throat> familiar with him or knows him well, or he, he's not somebody that you pull up in your memory bank. Either. Well, that's another thing. And he's not, a, he, he's not a character. Like he's not a cartoon. In fact, it was funny. We, we actually got to, because Steve Bridges, the, 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 um, the George Bush impersonator had been on the Tonight Show with Jay Leno a lot my manager said, I can get you in front of the Tonight Show people. And he goes, we got to put the makeup on. So we go put the makeup on and we're sitting in the Tonight Show lobby, you know, waiting to see the head writer. You know, Leno walks out a couple of times, just, you know, getting messages and so forth. It works like, you know, Tonight Show works like a regular office. All of a sudden the head writer comes out, introductions, and he looks at, he looks at, it's me, the makeup artist and the uh, my manager, and he just looks at us and he goes, "Okay, what's funny about this?" <laughs> That's what he said. What's funny about this? And we all just kind of looked at each other. We were we were stunned, and uh, I was the one who 
jumped in and said, let me, let me tell you, you know, but, it, but there was that, that pause that was just awkward long enough where I knew it wasn't, they weren't going to buy it. Oh gosh. Yeah. Hey, whatever. So what's the lesson to Greg? I mean, what do you say to yourself after something like that? Yeah. You keep pushing other projects. You keep pitching. I mean, I, I just think anybody in, I think anybody in any form of entertainment or show business or public speaking in general, anybody who's works in front of an audience, I think you have to have multiple projects going at the same time and you have to just throw everything in the wall and see what sticks. And, and a lot of things aren't going to stick. And, but I, that's, for me, been the fun of doing this, I think, is just always having something different and trying to stay one step ahead of the audience. Yeah, you are in a position, unlike club comedians, to have to keep your material fresh. Mm -hmm. uh, your, your, your job literally depends on it because... Yeah. At least a portion of it, a portion, not a portion of my job, but a portion of my material right. has got to be, exactly. be looked like I wrote it. Um, well, no. not look like I, I do write it because if you, you know, you get a show for a company that you've never worked for and you promised that you would write material about them, then you have to deliver on that. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and that is not, as you said earlier, as easy as it may sound. You know, I was going to ask you the question about uh, templates with mm -hmm. your jokes yeah you know, being able to take a joke and just sort of plug in a different name here and there but there are some times when that just does not work yeah it it doesn't and but in a way it's it's good i mean yes do i have some templates i do but every company is different every company presents themselves differently every or and not just companies associations organizations charities that kind of thing and what makes them all different is their web, is their web presence because everybody's different on the web. So once you get on their website, chances are you will always see something that you've never seen before on, a, on anybody else's site. That could be a, something as simple as, as a link to and how it's phrased or what is involved in that link, you know, their, their definition of something like we talked about earlier, their definition of fun, you know, it, it, it is, is a hackathon at certain organizations and it might be something completely different. And um, I enjoy that part because I enjoy sort of spitting it. That's another thing that kind of keeps me safe is that when you customize and you, you show them things that are on their website, you can't get in trouble for that, no. <laughs> you know, be, no. because you didn't, yeah. I always say, I go, you know, if, if they, if they're sort of stunned at something, I always go, I didn't write that you did. Mm -hmm. And, um, that you know, immediately I'm no longer the bad guy. And it's funny because every, every now and then I've had marketing people come up to me after shows and sort of half, they're like half ticked off because they right. come up and say something like, ah, you know, I just want you to know, I, I wrote the mission statement, you know, and it's like part of them are almost like proud that they were recognized you know it's like when you see your name at the very end of the credits nobody else saw it but you know no. so, but then part of them are upset that I was making fun of them and um I just go well, hey man you know thanks I, I'm glad you helped I'm, I well, <laughs> you know I thought it was good type of thing and some and some I bet some will go back and rewrite it after uh, after they heard me making mild fun at it now you have a new joke for them. Yes. 
right. Please, please let me know the new one you come up with because I have a show next Monday. Right. <laughs> do you ever have a problem? Do you ever, have you found you've ever gotten really stuck with, with something corporate that you had to customize? Like it just wasn't coming. Yeah. I mean, there are some things that are just so technical that you just are like, you almost, you almost feel bad for have to keep coming back to them and say, now again, explain what it is you do. Um, but it, but event, eventually that becomes funny. I find, believe it or not, I find it tougher to write funny about mainstream things. Like I always said, if, if I had two clients, one was McDonald's and one was uh, a company that made Joanne's flan Margaret. flanges for the space shuttle, oh. I would go with the space shuttle one. To me, it's it's easier because something that you're around all the time um, it is is tougher to make funny. I think I, I enjoy making funny about things I know nothing about. Well, phalange is a, is just a funny word. <laughs> That's right. It's not arena happy, but yeah, it's the flange, another flange. So so there's also brilliance in that because while it's new to you, it's not new to your audience. And you've got to imagine that there, there are people in the audience who have thought about it exactly the way that you are uh, articulating it on yeah. stage yes. and making it, making it okay to laugh at something. Mm -hmm. I agree. I've always said, sometimes I'll say to audiences, I get paid to say what you're thinking. And uh, that, that's kind of it. You know, I, I yeah. feel like, and, and that's why I applaud companies that will bring in outside speakers. Because I think if you if if you're constantly having your employees, your partners, your customers listen to internal people, eventually it sounds the same. Like we 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 just listened to this before. But I think if I have no what what I love about what I do is I have no stake in the <laughs> I have no stake in this audience. I you know and I I don't mean to make that sound flip. It's just like I'm an outsider that just comes in and wants to give you a completely different perspective. But you know, you just said something that um, never struck me until just now, and that is that because you are an outside voice, mm -hmm. a stronger voice, much stronger voice, because they've heard the rhetoric <clears throat> over, yeah. and over and over again, and you're a fresh, fresh voice mm -hmm. in, in the sea of rhetoric that, that yeah. happens. And the few times that I've been asked to host something or, you know, give away awards um i have felt that way mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's sort of like a, a, a different perspective a different tone right well well i've actually felt like my voice didn't count as much. oh i see okay but going back it it actually does count more when you think about it because it is an outside voice I guess what I'm saying here is never discount your own voice on stage when mm -hmm. you're when you're sharing the stage with with the C-suite for sure. Right, right. Well, I think even the C-suite likes uh, an outsider in there. I think it makes them. It's something. Otherwise, it becomes a panel discussion. Otherwise, it's, it's the same four people from the company. But if you, you throw me in there, and I'm a, I'm kind of a wild card. But yeah, I think and, they like that. And most of them don't love being up there themselves. No, and no. it's a lot of pressure. And yeah. And I think, yeah. and I think, I don't know if I told you this story, but I know Alex, I know you haven't heard it, but I, this is one of my favorite as, as far as in terms of why you hire an outsider. But I, um, I did a show for Motorola a couple of years ago and 
it was during Final Four, it was during March, okay, or the March Madness. So <laughs> the CEO of Motorola is a guy named Greg Brown, who is a, a very good guy, very well-spoken. Um, I'd worked for him at his old company before he became CEO of Motorola. But I get on the phone with, this is a big Motorola meeting in Vegas, and I get on the phone with not him, but like his team. And they're telling me what, it hadn't been a good year for Motorola at all. And they had to address that in the meeting. And so they're saying, well, you know, you're going to have to ask him about this such and such with Amazon and this and all, basically all these problems. And, you know, he, they gave me like four topics, all of which were bad. They, they said, you're going to have to ask him about it. And then I said, okay. And then I said, can I ask him about something that has nothing to do with Motorola? And they kind of, there's this pause. And one of them says like, what? And I said, like, I'd like to ask him what his final four picks are for the tournament. And there was another pause and like you could just hear them silently discussing it. <laughs> there was no Zoom. This was audio. And then one comes on and he goes, I think he'd like that. And I go, that's great. I go, don't tell him that I'm going to ask that question. So we get, we rehearse. We don't ask the question, that kind of thing. You know, we did light rehearsals. So I did a show and I'm asking about the problems. And, you know, obviously people want to know they're concerned about this. And then about the fifth question, I go, hey, I go, it's great that we're in Vegas. I go, you watching basketball? Who are you picking for the final four? And he, and he just drops his guard. He's like, I can't believe you asked me that, but this is fun. So he, he starts talking and he's like, well, you know, you got to go with Kentucky. And of course, there's this contingent of, you know, smattering of applause all of a sudden from Kentucky fans in this audience of Motorola people, you know, and, and you know, my, my Cinderella is this big, oh, it's Georgia Tech. Yeah. So anyway, and it totally changed the interview. And then at the end, when it was all over, people were coming up to him. He's a very personable guy. People were coming up to him and they were like, you know, I can't believe you picked Kentucky. No way. Kentucky's not going to go, you know, and then they would talk basketball and get a picture. And all of a sudden the guy went away thinking this is a cool CEO because he and I had the same picks. And um, it really was, uh, it was really refreshing to watch kind of the whole demeanor of that room change when we talked about something that they weren't expecting, nor yeah. was so, he, yeah. nor was he. That's awesome because you have like, you, you have to come in with all these questions that are negatives basically. Right. You, and then you, you throw yeah. in something that's yeah. positive and happy and it, it just that shift in energy. Yeah. I mean, and you had to address those topics. It's not like you could not, if you didn't address the negative topics, people would think you were not, you didn't care about them. Right. So, I mean, not every corporate meeting is happy. I mean, obviously you try to put, I try to put some happy into it, but some of them, and I know, I, I know you've produced meetings like this where you just know it's just a bad tone throughout. And it's not because of the people. It's just because of what happened to them right. that particular year. It's interesting though, that uh, I'm, I'm taking <laughs> in the context of the interview um, although the, the ultimate question didn't get past me, the, the, the primary reason for that interview was to talk about the hard topics. Right. And that is something that I have a hard time getting my clients to understand is important. And most of them prefer to sweep it under the rug or mm, interesting. Sort of gently gloss over it. So I actually, even though it's hard, I applaud that because that, that's, uh, mm -hmm. that's a leader sitting in front of a bunch of his constituents having the hard conversation right. accountable for the answers. Right. And there, 
I see so little of that mm -hmm. that I produce. So. It's almost like the people on stage don't want to feel like they're offending or they don't, I don't want to bring the mood down any more than, you know, it has been this year. This is supposed to be fun, but well, there's fun and there's fake fun. And oh, I mean, fake and fun is just that. And so, when there's an elephant in the room, it needs to be addressed. Exactly. And you can still get out of that. You can just say, but, you know, if you say, okay, we, you know, we realize this year sucked. Here's right. what we're going to make it better. And just to show that we're not all gloom and doom, let's go out to this beach party tonight. And uh, it's open bar. And all of a sudden, everybody forgets about the fact that it was, or they're like, there's a feeling of, of confidence and hope. And appreciation. Yeah, yes, for, yes, exactly. Right, for being real. And I think that uh, that's an important ingredient that so many people just are afraid of. Mm -hmm. Truth. No, being real, definitely. Being real with your people too. Let them be part of the uh, the answer. <clears throat> right. Part of the, 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 the uh, solution. Out. Yeah, the solution. Thank you. Mm -hmm. So do you have a favorite show? that you remember was is there one show that sticks out above or one client that sticks out that well I, I you know we went we talked about the CIA earlier and that would certainly been my favorite shows for the reasons I said about it. I just you know what a, what a delightful attentive audience they were um I think uh you know I I, I think I remember a lot of shows not so much for I, I th remember shows for maybe the venues that they had them in mm -hmm. I mean one of my one of my favorite venues was a, a company. It was a, uh, uh, oh, it was um, Sanofi uh, Aventus, the pharmaceutical company. Mm -hmm. and they had an event in Orlando <clears throat> and they, well, first of all, they were British. It was like their British division. So they were like parting out of their minds and they rented this space. They rented the Beetlejuice exhibit at Universal Studios. And it was an amphitheater because, you know, they have like seven Beetlejuice shows a day. <clears throat> and they and I emceed their award ceremony, and um, they had like this spinning chair. That was how Beetlejuice entered it. You know, they spun him around in this throne. So that's the way I entered. They had me <laughs> this throne. I spun around and I started it. And we did stand up, but I did awards. It's outside. We're in Florida. It's perfect weather. And after it was over, the Beetlejuice exhibit just this is probably why they chose it. Just happens to be like in the same area of universal as an Irish, a, a row of, I, it, basically they recreated an Irish pub. <laughs> okay, so one. maybe two of them. <laughs> so, and everybody went over there after this great That's show <laughs> and they were so in their element. And it was just, it was just such a pleasure the whole night. <laughs> so it wasn't the tent on the lawn at the beach? Tent on the lawn in Maui? <laughs> It was wonderful. It was a great show. I was worried about the tent because it was so, you know how windy it was there. It was windy. That was there were moments. Dirty tent. When you can hear your surroundings, when you can hear your stage, that's not always a good thing. <laughs> Keeps everybody on their toes. The roof you brought up a good point good. at the seating at that event was very, they, they very much socially distanced the chairs. And that's something that, you know, you, you talked about you, what challenges we face. I think that's going to be one of them too. I think, I think it's great. Live events are back. I'm not going to complain, but sometimes, you know, I, I think that they're, they're taking baby steps. So it's like, okay, we'll have everybody live, but we still want everybody to be apart from one another. So we're going to put all the chairs four feet apart. And that's, that's difficult. 
because it's not something you're used to. I like people on top of me and very close together. Um, but that's just something that I have to prepare for, but be grateful for because mm -hmm. I'm back doing live events. Right. And it's one of those things that a community of people determines. It doesn't just fall on, uh, of course, the, the legal, the, the, the uh, local laws You're right. have impact. But then after that, the hotel has a say, the client has a say, yeah. everybody has a say. And uh, what's happened in, the, in our world is that because there, were, there was very little clear <laughs> guidance nationally, a lot of the national chains developed their own guidance. Yeah, true, so, true. So, you know, that's what we become subjected to. Here's the, here's the caveat there though, interestingly enough. The way that uh, that space is purchased by a client is based on a minimum of food okay. average spend, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, if you have, say, 10 tables in a room and each fits 10 people and that's 100 people and they base the spend on that, it's very different than they say when they say, oh, you can still have uh, 10 tables in the room, but you can only have five people at that table. So right. you 50. So they can't say to you, well, even though you can only have 50, you still have to spend this much. Mm -hmm. So okay. that's going to have to change a bit. Yeah, it's going it, to, you know, there's, it's, the devil's in the details. Always. Right. right. We don't know, right? That always come up and haunt us. Where are you going next? Where do I go next? I have, well, I'm, I'm, I said I'm going to New York tomorrow, but that's for, that's for fun. You said, so right. I support my good friend of mine who's opening for a very well-known comedian at Carnegie Hall tomorrow night. So, so cool. Uh -oh. Yeah. So I'm going to support him and, and New York's my favorite city. And I wish I could do more, more events there, more dates. I know it's a little pricey. Uh, maybe that's why, but I love going there. But my, then on my next time I'm going out, I'm going out in, uh, uh, I'm going to Hollywood, Florida for two days and I'm doing one live event and one virtual event at the same time. And, I mean, not the same time, but two different clients in the same day. First virtual wow. in the morning and then a live event for a totally different client in the afternoon. So where, where in Hollywood? Uh, the, I think it's the, the Westin. Isn't the, there a Westin in Hollywood? There's a dip, there's the diplomat. diplomat. I, I, maybe it's the diplomat and I've been there before. Yeah, it's no longer a Westin though. Okay. I, well, right. maybe it's, no, it's a Hilton now. It's a Hilton. Whatever. I think that's probably where it is. I know it well. Yes, yes. I think I, and I know I've been there before. And then I'm going to Ojai. Is it Ojai or Ojai, California? Oh, Ojai. Ojai. I'm going to Ojai right after that. Ojai. Healthcare company. Yes. Healthcare company that was supposed to have their event in October. And they postponed it, not so much because of COVID, but because of how it would look, because they're a healthcare company. So they thought, it would be best if they moved it back a little bit just for public sentiment. Okay. And I think it was a great idea, but I think it's also great that they have it because nobody needs to laugh more than the healthcare environment. Right. Yeah. They've had a hard yes. time. Yeah. We do something uh, yearly for a local healthcare organization. And I don't think that we'll be doing anything this year because That's they a shame. Taxed. Yeah. And it was a celebratory event as well. Mm -hmm. So uh, any famous, last words that you want to leave us with because I'm giving the signal that our time is up and it really went fast I, I love these long ones you know I really do I, I enjoy really breaking down topics with with uh, uh, my hosts and you two did a great job at that um, so last words I think just last words is I'm excited about the coming year because I think that um, people are going to lighten up and do realize more that they need to laugh and um 
that's what I, I've always, it sounds kind of sick in a way, but I've always done really well after horrible events. <laughs> you know, I mean, that it is what it is. I mean, I did well after 9-11 and I did well after the market meltdown of 2008. And I, I'm not sitting there wishing for something horrible to happen, but um, it just shows that well, it works. And, and you're providing a much needed service. It's like nobody wants to have to go to the doctor, but you pray you have a good one. Right. Right. Exactly. So if you've had yeah. this tragedy, you don't pray for it, but you hope you have somebody that can help draw you out and find right. some happiness and joy. And that's a testament to the human will. Mm -hmm. We don't want to sit in the in the mire for all that long. So no, no. people like you to pull us out. Yeah. Yeah. And that's yeah. that's why I'm excited about it. And just in different groups, different groups seem to want it. I mean, my my calendar for this year is very varied um, in terms of different types of groups that I'm working for, but I like it that way. Keeps it interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much, man. It oh, was thanks a for having me on. This was great. Uh, a lot of fun. Maybe it's we'll a great way to end the week. Thank you. Yeah, it sure is. Well, I wish the week was ending, but it's not quite over for us yet. We, <laughs> we have a few hours on us over there in Chicago. Okay, very good. Thank All you right. for this, man. Greg Swim. So, did you enjoy Greg? I loved him. Hmm. I laughed so much, obviously. <laughs> Y'all know that. Um no, I really enjoyed it. He seems like such a genuine person, very funny, very personable. It was a fun, fun interview. Yeah, I felt that way too after working with him. He wanted to have a you meet with me after we actually had the, the event. And, uh, you know, I booked him because I had seen him live at an FICP show years ago, but I didn't really know him. And the day after the event, we chatted for about an hour or so. And that's why I thought it'd be fun to bring him on because we had such a uh, engaging conversation and uh, you know, we're able to talk on a few topics. We didn't nearly get to much today as, as much as we did that day, but it's still fun to get his perspective on something, especially on his role as a corporate comedian. Yes. And uh, you know, he's right, people need to laugh. And it's great that people are taking the initiative to bring comedy back into their meetings. It's still a bit tricky. And that's why somebody like Greg is so keen because he's going to make comedy about what it is your people do uh, rather than uh, cast uh, disparaging remarks about any particular kind of person or at an individual. He makes fun of the way things are and sometimes the way things are written or stated. Uh, and so it's easy to laugh with him. And there's no worry. No, it's feel good comedy. Right. And you don't have to worry that he's going to say something that's going to offend. Right. You know, and, and, and on that note, not that we ever really want to try to offend, but um, it's important for us to also remember that it's good to laugh at ourselves. Exactly. And it's okay if we're the butt of a joke every now and then, as long as it's, you know, going around everywhere. Well, don't they say that's the biggest form of flattery, right? They you do, know? one of them, imitation being another, mm -hmm. yes. That's true, yeah. it's imitation, but but uh, yeah, yeah. You know, somebody notices you enough and they're teasing you lovingly. 
it's a, it's wonderful. You know, when you can laugh at yourself and know that it's, it's not done out of meanness. I mean, I did one of the best experiences I ever had was being made fun of by Dana Carvey at a stand-up show. He made me stand up and he made fun of me. And to this day, I remember it. And he made me feel so special in that moment. But he made it, you feel special. He didn't. He was making fun of me. He was teasing me, but in a good way. It wasn't, I wasn't embarrassed. I wasn't hurt. I was laughing because what he was teasing me about when you, you sit back and you think about it, yeah, it's pretty funny. And it was so, true. And it was very true. It was very, very true. Because it's true. Um, yes, exactly. But there doesn't have to be F words. I'm just saying. No, there can be, but there doesn't have to be. And there's a time and a place. And then there's a time and a place when it's not appropriate. And I think if you're um, a comedian and you understand that difference, you know, it's like I always tell my daughter, you got to know your audience, know your audience, and you will always do well. Mm -hmm. Good, good advice. Very good advice. So on that note, that's it for us today. 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 <laughs> if you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with your friends. Let them know about it. We're here. Also, if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, there are one, two, three, four, five stars there. Click them all. Just go at it. Have fun. <laughs> we will love you for it. And if you want to leave us a comment or, you know, tell us we're full of bushlaka, then go to our website, beloved.com, look for the podcast page, and you will find a place to leave your comment. For now, we're saying goodbye. Say goodbye. Bye. Say it again. Bye. Stay engaging. <laughs> <laughs>